0: Well welcome back again to this podcast with Bishop Oscar Mareu from Nairobi, Kenya. Again my name is Matthew Eckert and this is episode number seven of the series of podcasts. As uh, Oscar has stayed with us in London, Ontario, Canada. in. July 2022 and as we just kind of talked about how he's focusing his energies uh, for this next season of his ministry as someone who's in his early 60s and believes he's got another 10-15 years to set Nairobi Chapel up well and if you haven't listened to the introduction of the podcast please engage those as well once again I want to remind us again of these eight aspects that Oscar's focusing on then we're going to jump into one of them today so as a reminder here they are Oscar believes that his focus is these things One, secure the mission of the church. Two, secure the leadership of the church. Three, secure systems and structures to safeguard the organization. Four, secure the DNA and culture of the church. Five, secure the Daniels and the Esters. Six, secure the partnerships. Seven, secure the history and lessons of the work. And finally, eight, secure the resources. So in this podcast, we're into uh, number six, securing the partnerships. And Oscar, you and I, the last three weeks you've uh, stayed with us, we've had a lot of conversations about this and what does it really mean to partner, uh, particularly as a Western North American church, perhaps European, with an African context with all the history and all the stuff going on. And so uh, as you think about this, let's set it up first. What are you think about as far as partnerships? How important are they? And what are you pondering in this aspect? Well, um,
1: what do I think our partnerships, this is what I think partnerships are. Partnerships are, are collaborating together and within the, you know, the parameters and the framework of what it means to be the body of Christ, working together for the glory of God. And one of the big questions that partnerships try to answer is what can we do together that we can't do alone? It's not to say that there are things that we can't do alone that we do together. There are. But it is to say that because we've come together, our strength is multiplied and our capacities are multiplied. And therefore, our presumed level of engagement can be much, much higher, much deeper than if we're just alone alone. Um, because it over, it covers over our uh, idiosyncrasies, things I do that I don't even see that I do. But you as a partner comes alongside and helps me see how those things are not helping me and how there are other ways I can do things. And the same likewise in reverse. Um, so a partnership opens up a whole new level mm-hmm. of capacitation that would not be the case
0: were it not that we were working together. Now let me throw this question right away. Nairobi Chapel... Right, You're, I'll call it your main site, Nairobi, is or five thousand people, let's say, and, and you've planted two hundred eighty plus churches, more to come. You got enough on your plate, and you've got enough diversity of thought, I would think, in your organization. Why partner even outside of Nairobi Chapel, first of all, maybe across Africa, but why even partner across other countries and churches? Because You got enough in your plate. You got enough people to talk to. So, talk to me about that piece. And what you see is, yeah. But even as a church of our size and diversity among Africans, we need more perspectives. As much as you probably, I think you believe that other countries need your perspective. So, talk about that piece and the complexities that brings.
1: Well, I think it's within the framework of um, the mission that God has given us. Mm. Go ye therefore into all the world. Mm. Not just to Kenya, okay. not just to Africa, not just to people who are like you, but to people all over the world and share the good news of salvation.
0: But isn't that just the West going to the Africa? <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think there's,
1: there's a big problem with missions as we have known it in the last, particularly the last 300 years, because it's mainly been, you know, the West to the rest. If it works in the west you know export it to the rest and we've exported models and systems and processes and you know resources that didn't fit the context we we're going into but because they work so well in the rest the presumption was this is a correct way to do it i think what that has done is encumbered the churches around the world that are not from a western hemisphere to Struggle with the weight of unnecessary forms and structures that just don't work in Mm -hmm. those cultures. And there wasn't the wisdom to enable these churches to learn best practices, but to have to innovate within their context and come up with their models um, in the way that they can. So, for example, let me just give an example. Church architecture. It comes mean mean the actual
0: building itself. Yes, yes.
1: The way church was done in Europe, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, years ago, uh, was exported to America. But because it was Europeans coming into America and doing church here, it worked. It worked very well because they were used to these sorts of buildings and such. But when you export that to a place like Caribbean, where there is a predominant architecture for religion, which is a mosque, or you export it to India, where there are predominant models of religious architecture, which is a temple. Um, this entrant doesn't stand a chance of being able to be integrated into you know, the communities and societies there. What it does is it isolates a church that people can easily identify and know that this is an alternative religion that has been brought into our communities. And so if you look at Christians in India, there are those streams of you know Christianity in India that are trying to address a question of architecture and asking what fits in our context, mm-hmm. what What isn't so alien to our context that people can't even cross the threshold Mm. to enter this building that looks like nothing they know and they just don't worship God in this Mm. way? Can we go back to an architecture that looks more like the mosque, but the way that we worship and the one that we worship is different from the gods of India? Um, and so you have to go back and address that. But mm. you see, that wasn't brought in. Okay. The understanding was this is what the church is, and architecture is already predetermined and set, mm. and you can't touch that because we've been doing this for a thousand years, and therefore we know how you know religious architecture should be. Okay. No, every culture has to figure
0: that out. Mm. Okay. So you've you've been very intentional working to create partnerships. Yeah. You've you've been the one that's kind of gone out and said, I want to be partners. Um, you've done this for 20, 30 years. How have you been received as an African leader as you've kind of st- traveled a lot and tried to create partnerships? What has been working? How is it shifting? What are you seeing as far as that? And what is your desire? Lots of questions built in there, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, what, what, is, what has been your experience in this as you've done this? Because you've been amazing at reaching and trying to make this work. Yeah, I,
1: I have sought to reach and try. Um, but I often feel I'm swimming upstream, okay. which in itself makes it very difficult. Swimming upstream because I'm swimming against the predominant models of what a partnership is.. Okay. And so trying to come and say, guys, you know that model that we've known for all this time isn't a good model of Christian partnership. And by was, this, was it even
0: partnership? yes was it even partnership
1: certainly not by what the bible teaches us okay and what i mean by this is every culture has what they would uphold as a model of partnership coming from their culture Um, the western hemisphere's predominant model of partnership is business what does a business partnership look like you know we have a contract that we uh the terms of which we agree on together and when both parties are happy with it then we sign the contract the contract is binding and it has to be fulfilled within a certain time. And once we feel that we have fulfilled the objectives of the partnership, then we are no longer bound together. We can move on to the next thing. And it doesn't have to be with you. I can go and now make a partnership with somebody else who will profit me in my business. Okay? That's not, that's not the partnership that God calls us into. The business model is a poor model of what Christian partnership within the body of Christ should be.
0: So as you networked, you sought churches? In, probably in the best of spirit, but wanting to create a yes. a document and a, that kind of contract. Yes, you know,
1: with clear terms and conditions, okay. clear markers, clear evaluation, all those sorts of things, okay? That, that when you're coming from a different culture, it's confusing to know how to do this because it just so is not partnership coming from a different world. Okay. But because, you know, he who controls the purse strings controls mm. the discussion and the table... That has become the predominant model because, to a large measure, resources come from the West. I heard a statistic given once that, you know, 85% of all money sent, you know, to support mission work around the world, Christian work around the world, comes from North America. Mm. Well, with that sort of strength, nobody's going to say no to whatever model of partnership they want to embrace, Mm. biblical or not. But that's one, okay? When you come from, you know, a context like... uh, My context in Africa, probably the best model of partnership is family and marriage, Hmm. which is a very different model because when I get married to my wife, we don't have conditions and terms. We don't. I, I suppose today in the West, you know, you have prenuptials. Well, we don't have those. You know, you you marry somebody you love. You 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 lend trust to the person that you love. You believe the greatest best for that one that you love, and you enter into the partnership full of hope and committed to work at to, uh, this thing, you know, until it 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 thrives. Okay, and that's what you go in. You don't even have. An agreement as to how many children you'll have mm-hmm. and what sort of you know resources you will put on the table. You enter in faith because you love. Mm-hmm. Now that's a good partnership. One of the things that that partnership uh, you know uh, presumes is having entered, we can never leave. It's a lifelong partnership. Mm-hmm. Now marriage is struggling all over the world, and uh, you know um, divorce is a reality we live with. Okay, so. You could modulate on that and say that a better partnership than just marriage per se is actually the family, you know, the children and brothers and sisters and mother and father, including your wife. That that family unit... You never check out and say, well, I've completed my partnership with my parents and therefore now I go and do my own thing and I have nothing to do with them now because they raised me, I was a good kid, and we're done, okay? There's none of that. <laughs> they're your parents for life. You love them. When they're in trouble, you show up. When they are celebrating, you show mm. up. And, you know, the partnership is for life. Only death separates that. Well, Africans tend to come into partnerships with that in that way. Mm. So much so, Mark, that if you're my good partner... Uh, Sorry, so much so, Matt. Forgive me. Uh, You know, you're you're just such a biblical guy. It has to be Mark. We're such such good disciples. (laughs) Anyway, but so much so that if we get into a partnership together, Mm. I will name my son after you. And then after three years of partnership, you ditch me and tell me it's all over. I can't change my son's birth certificate. You're my partner for life. When that kid grows up, I'm going to send him to you to educate because you're my partner. Mm. We're like brothers. We're in this forever and we'll walk together. Mm. It's a relationship that cannot be broken. Those two models don't mix. It's like oil and water. When you try and form a partnership between Africa and, you know, the the Western Hemisphere. And there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of words that injure, even though they weren't intended to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's that I can see some people thinking, oh, it's beautiful, yet it can take so much longer to get going. Uh, Us North Americans, we're efficient, right? We let's let's get down to brass. Let's make this happen. And when you, if you look at the marriage one, why well, you got to date for a while and hang out and do actually, you know, what does it look like and how, what have you seen or how, do, how could this, I can hear people think, okay, hey, practically, what do I do? Do I visit you two times and we do this? Like, we're always driving for a solution.
1: Let me push back on you a little, okay. Matt. Yeah. What do you mean you're efficient? You see, you're thinking again okay. with your categories okay. that we got the job done that needed to be done. Mm. But wasn't it the Lord who said that um, by your love, they shall know that you are my mm. disciples. Mm. Could efficiency be the quality of relationship and love that we show mm. one another? Well, we can't measure that, Oscar. Yes, but not everything <laughs> can be measured. In you can't measure how much you love your wife. You can't measure how much you love mm. your mother. Yeah. Yet, you know you do. Mm. And there is no way to measure except mm. that it's a feeling and mm. you know it and you recognize it and everybody can see mm. it, but you can't measure it. Mm. And not everything can be measured. And maybe some things of the kingdom cannot be measured that way. Mm. And, and you know, love is one of them. And so, yes.
0: So, wow, which is great. Um, yeah, what, what is your advice? Let's say someone's listening to this and they're a church and. Calgary Alberta or Kentucky or something and they've been intrigued by this whole podcast so far and they're saying I want to get to know this guy I'd like to partner (laughs) quote-unquote and they give you a call what do you what do you want what do you say to them like what's it look like because they're looking for things to do Mm. like yeah what because you're looking to as part of this you're looking to secure partnerships this is what you want to do you you believe that you have something we're going to talk about that in a second the African church, you specifically, has something to offer the world. and But you're open saying, but hey, I need to learn from others. I want to do it because we're better together. So this church from Calgary, Alberta calls you. What are you going to tell them? I would say something along this
1: line, that the, the foundation of partnership is relationship. Mm. And that's what we've got to do to begin with. Let's get to know one another. Mm. It's a bit like, you know, you said, you know, um, somebody calling and saying, you know, um, I want to do this thing, okay? Well, you don't do partnerships, if I may put it that way. Okay, nice. Let me give you an analogy, nice. okay? Um, I want to get married, okay? There are two ways you can go about it. You can do marriage, okay? In <laughs> other words, I'm going to look for a girl who's five foot 10 I'm going to look for a girl with, you know, blonde hair. I'm going to look for a girl who, etc., etc., or a guy. And we're going to do marriage. We're going to have three children. We're going to, you know, get married on this date. And you could do it like a project, It's not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Rarely will that go anywhere. Instead, we, when it comes to marriage, Mm -hmm. we almost all go down the road of, I'm waiting to fall in love. I'm looking. I'm hoping. I don't even quite know who it is I will fall in love with. But when it happens, it will happen. And I will know this is the one. Mm -hmm. And then there's a courtship. And I can't rush the courtship. We need to get to know one another. We need to spend time together. Mm -hmm. We'll go out for dinner. We'll go have fun. You know, we'll do things together. And that will confirm more and more whether we are a match, a good match. Mm -hmm. We're made for each other Mm -hmm. and we thrive with each other and we enjoy each other's presence, Mm -hmm. which becomes a foundation of then we're going to get married and then we are going to build a home and a family and live Mm -hmm. together and eventually retire together.
0: So, interestingly, when you said that courtship, it may not work.
1: It may not work.
0: And yeah. I can, boy, I can see people, you know, leaders of churches who hold the purse strings. What do you mean it's not going to work? We just paid for all these flights for the last two years to fly back and forth. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you realize, you know what? This, as much as we've enjoyed each other, we don't believe this is what we're called to do together. Yeah. yeah. And that could be a good answer, but a hard one maybe to swallow.
1: Yeah. Consider those flights as the equivalent of all the dinners you had with this girl. and You can't ask for your money back, and you can't ask for your food back. (laughs) You know, it's done. It was good. We're good for each other. We learned. Mm -hmm. We grew as a result of that. There is much to take away and move on, okay? And sometimes partnerships don't work. Yeah, Yeah, but you don't do partnerships. It's a relationship. How much does money get in the way of partnerships? Very, very. I often say that money is like sex. When you're courting a girl and the first thing you're really eager to begin with is sex, it will color the the relationships completely. Mm. After that, it's hard to have a conversation that doesn't have a tinge of guilt, maybe Mm. a tinge of, you know, overexposure, Mm. maybe a tinge of, you know um expectation yes you know and and sometimes because you've been there you you it's where you want to go back again mm. and so you're not interested in long conversations and dinners and etc you're really looking for how we can get into bed as quickly as possible mm. and and money does that to relationships it colors relationships and changes relationships mm. and expectations mm. in a sense You know, that side of of the partnership should come when the relationship has been developed, when there is a commitment to one another and we know we're in this for the distance Mm. and we are partners now. Mm. And then you don't approach money with any sense of guilt and you don't approach money, you know, like something with an agenda, you know, I'll only have sex with you if you give me a child or I'll only do this if X, you know, Y. And, And it becomes part of the relationship. And so... I would say money is not a good place to begin mm. a partnership with. One
0: of the things we've talked about is, you know, you made a phrase, as as your desire to secure these partnerships around the world, uh, it's going to require uh, many layers of an organization to enter in.
1: Yeah.
0: Talk about some experiences you've had as you as a lead pastor, senior pastor in Arrowwood Chapel, I had beautiful relationships with other senior pastors of churches Partnerships were developing, there's something beautiful, and then that senior pastor leaves. Yeah. Then the partnership, quote-unquote, was you and the senior pastor more than the organizations, and it got lost. Mm-hmm. So what are you thinking about that now, and what you'd like, so you can secure these, and it's more than just Oscar Mareu had a partnership, Nairobi Chapel did. What's going on in your thinking there?
1: I think it's one of those things that, uh, as I said a little earlier, I'm swimming uphill against mm-hmm. models. Okay, developing partnerships has to happen at several levels. And oftentimes when you begin to develop a partnership with a church, it doesn't plug into those different levels. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the, you know, its ability to stand uh, through time is diminished considerably. Mm. Let me give you an example. The the electric plugs that you use here in Canada, okay, are two-pinned okay, and you put them into the socket. And both those pins play an important role in holding the plug in the socket so that the electricity flows, okay. Now, a a partnership has four plugs, okay, or rather four, four, four prongs that you put into the socket. And those four prongs mean that even if one of those prongs wasn't quite working properly in terms of holding securely, the other three hold the plug securely in the socket so that it doesn't matter that the fourth one doesn't you know doesn't hold as well now what are those four the first of those is that um the key leaders and the initiators and the visionaries and the enablers and the permission givers that are the senior pastors or maybe the bishop or whoever it is need to be a part of this because mm. when they consent they open doors okay If they're skeptical, it's not going to go anywhere. If they are uninvolved, they're not really going to fund that. And there are so many reasons why the people at the top need to be a part of this and to be willing to give consent. They're not going to run the partnership. They're not going to be the ones who follow up on it and etc. But the fact that I know that, you know, my pastor is committed to this and is keen to see that this turns out well, I have his backing, I have the blessings and I have the budget that will go with it. Okay. It's very, very important. But that one prong is not enough because of exactly what you've said. Okay, retirement, maybe stepping out of that and moving on to something else. If that was the only prong holding the plug to the socket and that, you know, prong falls off, then the whole partnership Mm. stops at that point. There's a second prong. And the second prong is the senior leadership of the church. But the elders pray about this, that uh, the assistant pastor and, you know, the children's pastor and the youth pastor and the, you know, adults pastor, the, the small group pastor, that they're all involved. That they get to do the trips also, that they get to see what this is about. They meet their counterparts on the other side, and they can talk together. So we're talking about youth. Let's do things together with the youth. Let me bring a youth group over. You bring one over. You know, let's let's get them to even pen pal with each other and and put them in groups together so that they can share faith and talk about growth and those sorts of things. That becomes another problem. Mm. Okay, that we've got the middle level. Uh, leadership involved and excited about this. The third prong um, becomes the people with a, you know, with a passion and desire to mission, to see missions enabled um, within the church, okay? So they may not be authorities and leaders and things like that, but there is a young man here who really has a heart for mission and exposing them to what you're doing will help fuel their heart for mission to further reaches, okay? Um, there is an opportunity that you have because you're going to Latin America to do something, and there's a young lady in our congregation who feels called there. Can they come with you? And they will become, in a sense, that relationship growing to a level where the people who are engaged and who are, you know, impacted don't hold power within the organization. But Their engagement and the impact upon them becomes one of those things the stories we tell of what God did through this partnership of people whose lives were changed and you know committed to to missions for a lifetime, whatever that is. Okay, the fourth prong. Is a congregational a congregation in, in general. The third prong is about short-term missions. It's about you know exchanging mm. you know young people, exposing them to each other, writing to each other directly. The fourth prong is a congregation. Not many may get to go on those short-term missions. Okay, you're not gonna bring 100 percent of your church to Kenya. It just it it, it would be virtually impossible to do that you bring maybe, you know, 10, 20, 30 people who become the the ones who cross the borders to come and see and become involved. But the stories they bring back and, you know, the church's prayers for them And the opportunity for the church to give towards this, to support this young person who's going or this person who's going. And the fact that when they engage there, I engage because I supported you and I want to hear what was it like. And when you come back, come Mm -hmm. for dinner at our place and let's talk about this, the congregation gets involved at that level Mm. they see the photos they pray for the ministry and they give their goodwill towards Mm. it and even resources towards it they're the fourth prong Mm. those four prongs means that when the senior pastor retires when the senior pastor moves on to another church there are three other prongs holding that Mm. partnership okay and they don't the the plug doesn't fall off Mm. And and therefore, you've got to plug in at that level. Mm. Now, when you try and form a partnership and all you do is form the partnership with the mission group and it never goes beyond mm. the mission team, it's, it's mm. not going to last. If it's only the pastor, the senior pastor, it's not going to last.
0: You've got to work at those four prongs together. So when you talked about how you're swimming upstream and trying to fight, is it because you don't see churches wanting to embrace it in these four prongs? And that, so you, when you step and you realize... Guys, we this is not. You can just see it not working. Yeah. Because there's not enough broad-based engagement of it. Is it's, that it's true? Even, you've had some beautiful partnerships with senior pastors. Yeah. It's it's not
1: just that. Uh, you know, I see churches not wanting to engage. Hmm. It's that the speed of change in the culture around us is so rapid hmm. that we're not keeping ahead of it. Okay. So, just to give you an example, a lot of pastors I knew retired with COVID. They just felt COVID was a yeah. marker that my time is up, the next person needs to take the baton. And in the middle of COVID, when they said, you know, guys, I'm done here, Mm. I need to move Mm. on. um, We couldn't travel, it was hard Mm. to communicate and etc, etc. So the partnership retired with the person Mm. who carried it where there wasn't those multiple prongs. Um, Sometimes it's at the church doesn't really see the need to expose this widely. We want to have success before we can talk about it. Mm. But then it means you're you're depending on one prong until whatever you define as success mm. is finally established. Mm. And then if the chair of the missions board moves on, mm. the the team the next team moves in a different direction and they're not moving in the same direction of the partnerships that were there. Mm. So it's all sorts of things that, you mm. know, constant we've got to address. Where are we guys? Mm. These four little prongs, how well you know, located are each of them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, there are those who aren't really working at that. They're happy to have one person manage that partnership.
0: So what is your desire for Nairobi Chapel with partnerships? Like in your head, you're thinking, well, we're a church this size. If I could have a church in five countries, I like, is there something even in your head? Or it's like, I'm just going to continue to build friendships and allow the journey to be the journey? Is it is it more that method which is can be mm-hmm. beautiful? Obviously, I, well, as you and I've talked, you are on mission. Like it's not just about hanging out, being friends, and having mm-hmm. coffee. Mm-hmm. Friends who are who are on mission find ways to do things together. They just can't yeah. not do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But the friendship now drives it. And I've had no, so many talks with you. It's like, oh, can you come and do this? And hey, I see this new. Would you come and help us with this? And so, but you just know each other. So, is there a, a desire to even? frame something out here right now? Or is it more just, no, I want to just engage better. I don't know. You tell me. You know,
1: it's, let me use the analogy of a a relationship again. Okay. When we become friends, you have gifts and strengths and passions Mm -hmm. that I'm not aware of as we began the, as we begin, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to know each other as friends. Mm -hmm. But as we go down the road, I begin to pick up some of your passions and I say, look, I don't play golf, but you really love golf. So let me escort you and let's, let's play a game. Show me how to play this game. And I may never be a golf player, but because of you, I'll join you on occasion. And it becomes something I do in part because of who you are as my friend and vice versa. Okay, And that's true of of gifts and things like that. As I get to know you, I see gifts in you that I think, I I need you to help Mm. me in this area because you're so gifted and I just don't have that. So there is a measure to which a partnership self defines Mm. because you're bringing different currencies to the table. And it's not always the same. And some of those currencies, you see, okay, we've got a currency here we need to convert Mm. into a forex, you know, equivalent to something. And there's other currencies here that we're not going to be able to convert for a while to come, okay? And so it defines itself in a Mm. sense Mm. because each partner is unique that's one that's one level and we've got to give room to the partnership for that to be the case okay but then very likely there are things that we can talk about partnership where i need great help and you can give great help And so we say, for example, we just don't know how to do discipleship. You Mm -hmm. know, everything in our culture works against it. We're really struggling. And you guys are able to do discipleship across the cultural divide, because what works culturally in Canada may not work in Africa. There are some transferable principles that you're using in Canada that will transfer and need to be birthed in our culture. Please come Mm -hmm. and help us. Pace with us. Mm. Come not just for, you know, a seminar, you know, mm. a one-week seminar. Mm. Come and stay with us mm. for two years and just mm. walk with us and help us and, and and you know, help embed this thing in who we are as a church mm. and teach us how to do discipleship. Mm. Wrestle with culture with us, you know. I'll give you an example. We have a church in Rwanda. Because of the genocide that happened in the early, early uh, 1990s in Rwanda, Uh, Rwandans do not, in general, open their home to small group. Hmm. Because during the genocide, it was your friend that killed your people. Somebody you deeply trusted. And yet, in the crazy frenzy of the genocide, they turned against, you know, their friends because they were from a different tribe. And so there is reserve you know very strong reserve in um at least when i have traveled there and spoken with uh the rwandese people very strong reserve about allowing a stranger into my private Mm. space Mm. because i don't know what harm they can bring my way and so we find our small groups in in rwanda have to meet in restaurants or public places where i don't want to bring you to my home because I don't, I don't know whether you will visit me again in a time of trouble and bring death upon me. I'd rather we meet in a cafe and I don't want you to come to my home. And, and so doing small groups in Rwanda is a cultural thing and very intense. Now, there are models here where you presume, you know, the home is a place, the center of, you know, the micro church or the small group. It's not going to work in Rwanda. Mm. And when you meet in a restaurant, you have so many things working against you. You know, that you have to now think, Okay, we meet in this restaurant regularly, but you have to buy something for the restaurant to be happy to have you there. And you can only be there so long before they know you're using them. And so I can't afford to buy that coffee at that price. And so I can't go for that small group. It has other dynamics that make it difficult. Mm -hmm. And so as you come across, help me wrestle with these things, Mm -hmm. because at the core, there are some transferable principles But there's culture which also defines and skews things a certain way. Help me wrestle with these things.
0: And you don't know that unless you spend time. Yeah. And as I talk, as we're talking, it's like partnerships mean time, Mm. (laughs) right? Yeah. It means showing up. Yeah. Uh, Mm. And so now, as we've talked too, though, there can be many ways partnerships could work. You have a great example of one church in Mm. Germany that you weren't even expecting of this partnership, but somehow there's been this ongoing commitment. That has worked in a unique way, which you wouldn't even have seen happening. And it's even opened your eyes saying, let's be open to however way a partnership could work In the beauty of that. Yana, if you want to share yeah. that story briefly. Briefly,
1: yeah. briefly. Um- This church, we met at a conference, okay, um, in a theological school and, you know, just became friends. And they invited us to go and visit them. And, you know, one or two of their people came and visited over and there wasn't talk of partnership. We're just getting to know one another. And that was, you know, over a space of maybe about a year, they came, we came, and that was it. And then they went quiet for quite a long time except the occasional hi how are you guys doing sort of thing we didn't even know that they were thinking partnership mm-hmm. and because we we're working across language you know they speak german and a little english and we don't speak german and we speak a lot of english and so it was hard communicating mm-hmm. but after about two years they came back again and said you know For the last two years, we've been discussing about partnership Mm. and trying to decide what do we want in a partnership? Where do we want the partnership to go? What would the partnership look Mm. like? And they had this document Mm. of how they want to run the partnership, okay? We did not have a clue that they were doing this. Mm. And so they came with the document and said, for two years, we've been wrestling with this and want you to be our partners. Would you consider? Mm. And so to me, man, they're going about it the way that only Germans can do. It's very well thought out. It's a document, you know, every T is crossed and every I is dotted and we just don't do that this way and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we got into conversation and we began talking about partnerships. We were sort of very laid back about it because it's a relationship to us. For them, it's it's an agreement that mm-hmm. is like a contract. Now Germans are Germans; they're very good at this sort of
0: thing. Okay, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> to all the Germans listening, uh, you can take that any way you want to. No, it's, and, a, good uh, it's, it's good. a good thing. It's a
1: good thing. It's a good thing because you mm-hmm. know when it comes to our partnerships, they they help us remember again what, mm-hmm. where this is going because mm-hmm. they have targets and you know timelines and etc. And so, and so we talked about it and they went back and thought through it and then finally came back and said, we're ready to begin that partnership. Mm. In some senses, I thought this is going to be the hardest partnership because everything is so tied down and everything is so nailed down. It's not going to be an easy partnership to think. But we worked super hard on the friendship and they got that. And so they put in a lot of energy into the friendship. But at the same time too, we tried to be good partners from their perspective and help them, or rather work with them on the targets that they wanted to see and etc. Do you know, um, Matt, I think that is one of the partnerships that has just done so well mm. um as over the last it's almost now you know seven to ten years we've been partners together and they have continued to engage and engage and engage mm. and they have come into our context who have gone into their context and lives have been impacted and changed as a result mm. of the partnership and surprise of surprises those german uh, church leaders have been the best partner we mm. have in that sense yeah mm. just a beautiful partnership
0: so i want to close this off then cuz you kind of summarize it in a great way you know you and i have talked about this as you've traveled and seen what are some of the things in partnerships you see you know what the west brings can bring these beautiful things to partnership yeah and but you, and we we talked but the african church you know we can really bring these things as you've seen it And if we can somehow partner beautifully, boy, can we be better. And that German example is almost a summary of that, but just highlight a few of those things that you and I've talked, which has been beautiful to think about. Okay.
1: I think I think both the West and us in the majority world have the wrong model, Hmm. operative model of partnership. And this is where we get into trouble. And this is why we end up frustrating each other so much when you get into partnerships. OK, the Western model is a very business like, you know, contract where we are very clear terms of what's going to be done, how money is going to be used, et cetera, et cetera. OK, and oftentimes it, it, it's crafted in the Western hemisphere. OK, but it's a wrong model. I think the Western model of partnership is one chapter in a 10-chapter book on partnership. Mm. And it's the last chapter on terms and goals and conditions and etc. okay? <laughs> Africans, and uh, I think much of the majority world, you know, um, have the wrong model also, okay? And their chapter is the first chapter on friendships and relationships mm. and how we can love one another. What is missing are the eight chapters between chapter one and chapter mm. 10. Okay. If we don't get those right, mm. then these two are like different languages talking to one another and they don't they have some common terms and some common words but that have not been specifically defined mm. and they get into trouble because mm. they're not communicating and it's frustrating and sometimes you just want to walk away from it. Okay? Mm. We have to get those eight chapters correct. Mm. Those eight chapters are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 mm. starting from verse 12. The end of that chapter Because Paul's model Of a partnership is not Business which he knew And it's not family And he was coming from a patriarchal Society that understood the place of family Paul's preferred Model of partnership Is the body Mm. Where the body Has unique gifts Each member of the body has unique gifts and unique capacities. No member of the body can ever walk away from the body and say, I'm done with this partnership. There is a partnership that presumes certain, you know, values that cannot be changed. One of the first values that, you know, the body mentality, the body paradigm gives us is that ultimately the goal of a partnership is not independence. Mm-hmm. It's interdependence. We will always be interdependent because God did not make any one of us complete in and of ourselves. No organ can survive on its own without the rest of the body. The heart needs the lungs. The lungs need the stomach. The stomach needs the kidneys. The kidneys need the brain. The brain needs the legs. You know, every part in a partnership is interdependent, never independent. A second value is there is reciprocity. I'll give you what I have. Because I can never make what you have. And you share back with me what you have. And so the heart pumps blood around. The lungs give oxygen. The kidneys take out toxins. And it's a one thing it does and does well, but it depends on everybody else. So everybody gives and everybody receives back in return. When partnerships are only in one direction, that's not a partnership. And it will not last long. And for the last two hundred years of missions, that's what partnerships have been largely. So that's the second value. Mm-hmm. The third value, of course, is with the recognition that, you know, Paul writes and says, you know, um Those parts of the body that did not seem seem honourable are the most Mm. honourable. Somehow God has taken our value system and said, it's not the big churches, it's not the big organisations, it's not the big, you know, impressive conglomerates of the Christian kingdom that are on top. Turn this pyramid upside down. Mm. And it is the little people and the little churches and the little, you know, struggling communities of faith that are at the top, those that look less honorable. Because whoever called the Japanese church to come and lead a conference on church growth. I mean, a a mega church in Japan is probably a hundred people. We call the big guys, you know, with the big guns, you know, my church is 10,000, 12,000, 20,000, 25,000. Those are the conference speakers. And they're the ones who come and say, you know, I did it this way, do it like me and you become like me. And God says, no. Honor does not belong to the big and powerful. Honor belongs to the small and the ones that you so easily dismiss. Now, how do you do partnerships with that? You know, and so Paul has a couple of values that so go against the grain of business and family that business and family are a chapter because they bring in love for family and they bring in clear goals and clear outcomes for business. But the partnership is about the body. That's what we've got to struggle in this
0: week. I'm going to say nothing else. Oscar, thank you. This was amazing. Securing the partnership, one of your desires for Nairobi Chapel, your next 10 or 15 years. So grateful. And please engage with the rest of the podcast and look forward to hearing, seeing you again in our next edition.